show by fans for fans. My name's Eric Morrow, Seattle Mariners baseball, everybody. Let's get started. That smile is back on Junior's face. Line drive, base hit to win it. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Casuals Corner, the show by fans, for fans. I've got my co-host here tonight. I've got Tyler Matsumoto. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, my friend. It is awesome to be back on the mic with you fellas. And we actually have a little bit of news to talk about for our lovely Mariners. We sure do. Uh, I want to say hello to our other co-host, Robert Griffin. How are you doing, buddy? They never really miss you until you're dead or you're gone. So on that note, I'm leaving after this podcast. We're doing well. <laughs> good, 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 good. And uh, I've already asked the guys. Uh, they've had a, a, a good, uh, busy, but good holidays. Uh, here at Casuals Corner, we wish you that you had a happy holidays. And uh, we're going to get back to the mic here um, and, and start talking about this baseball team because some things are starting to happen. I, I just got done watching some stuff on MLB and, and they said, this is a good plan B that's going on here now. And I really agree with that. Um, you know, we weren't in on Otani uh, or Yakamoto or Bellinger um, who some people really don't care for, but, may have been a really good fit for us. So we're at plan B where we're uh, trading and bringing guys in and bringing guys back. We've got a lot of news. Tyler, I knowing you, I know you digged into a lot of this. Set the scene for us. Well, for starters, a couple weeks ago, we signed divisional rival slugger Mitch Garver. I'm very excited about him, but... Like a couple of our other acquisitions, both Mitches are injury-prone type of players. That We cannot play a video game and turn injuries off, or else it would be all home run moves. So just knock on wood, fellas, that uh, these guys can stay healthy. We can go way more in-depth in a minute, but what's a quick snapshot for you here, Robert, on what's uh, happened recently for the M's? Me, personally, it's a complete 100% homer take, and you can at me for it. I love the addition of Mitch Garner for one reason only. He's from Albuquerque, New Mexico, my hometown. (laughs) Played baseball at La Cueva High School, played baseball for the University of New Mexico Lobos. Yes, he won a ring with the rival organization, but if I'm counting the last seven years in baseball, the AL West has been responsible for adding three more championships to the Albuquerque area two with Alex Bregman, who is from Albuquerque, and one with Mitch Garver. The only reason I'm happy he's a Mariner is because he's from Albuquerque, New Mexico. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking right about it. Well, let's talk about these trades uh, one and two we've got here. And I want to know the exact personnel that has changed hands uh, through each trade here, guys. Um, We're talking about Mitch Garver. Who did we give up for Mitch? Uh, free agent signing, Eric. So all it cost was money. Two years, $24 million is the contract. And I feel that's a pretty pretty fair for Mitch. He's uh, 
what, 32-year-old catcher DH. I hope he sees a lot more time at DH because he has been injury-prone in his career. But last year in only 87 games, he had 270 with 19 bombs, a 134 OPS+, plus, a 2.1 war, and a minuscule 1.86 strikeout to walk ratio so hopefully we signed a guy that can control the zone only 87 games played you look at his baseball reference page he has never been a 150 game type of player in his career so like i said knock on wood he stays healthy we have to get a lot of good fortune with both mitches to stay healthy but robert is do you think Garver will be a minimal impact type of bat or maybe kind of a more potent bat? How do you see him fitting in with this squad? Well, what I see from him is I think what everybody else sees is we need that guy to be healthy. And if he's not healthy, if he's not in the lineup at least 120 games, then again, we're here stretching on the idea of what someone could be. And I get that yesterday's price isn't always today's price. And just because he was successful in what he did with the Rangers, the Rangers also weren't dependent on him to be one of those everyday guys in the lineup like we kind of need him to be. I would love to see him come in and be able to put up the similar numbers that he did in the limited amount of time he was in. But again, to me, we need we need guys who we can have out there for 140 nights. It's a 162-game season. We need guys that we can have out there for 140 nights. And if his health doesn't allow that, again, we – I don't want to judge too hard on him because I've been one of the hardest proponents ever since free agency started to tear apart. But if he's not out there for the long haul, what is it that we're really getting ourselves into? Is he better than Jared Kelnick? A, a can of tomato soup is better than Jared Kelnick. Not but on I defense. Just, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it, it just, I know he's a backup catcher. Defense so is part the, of the game, guys. But, yes, is. I get your point. It, it, it sure is. It sure is. And we're not knocking on defense because we need to be able to play solid defense in order to be able to compete. But does do I think that this pushes us above the metric to be able to chase down Houston and the Rangers? I don't think so. And I'm open to be proven wrong. I hope that I have to eat a bunch of crow by the time we get to the all-star break with his performance. But the way that I feel about it right now is it's just a stretch and we're in experimental stage to throw some things against the wall and see what sticks. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, this is what we've done. This is what we've done. So, um, yeah, what I see here is, is this is what you're, you're going to deal with plan B folks. Um, as far as I'm concerned, and you know, this will put me in the whiners category, but we were promised and I don't have the language in front of me that they were going to spend when the time was right. Last year was the right time. I gave them a little, uh, a headway on that, hoping they were going to make an attempt at Otani. Once the time, to uh, make that attempt at Otani or somebody at the top of the list. Uh, we have financial problems all of a sudden, and we are in plan B. And Mitch Garver is part of plan B. Of course, he was a free agent signing. For, 
forgive me for forgetting that, Tyler. It's been so long since we've signed a free agent bat. <laughs> I mean, that's a great yeah. point. So we've come back to it, Eric. I just want to interject one thing. You can never trust a billionaire. You can never trust a politician. And like I was always worried, spending more is such a vague statement. AJ Pollock can be, quote, spending more. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, well, you know, um, when you start painting those pro projections for for your fans and then don't deliver, it can get pretty frustrating because, you know, I'm just in the mood that Seattle's a, a wealthy city and they, they certainly can afford to fool around in the 8 to 12 payroll spot as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's why we're doing this plan B, folks. Let's say that Mitch Garver is the big bat from Albuquerque. He's going to make it happen. That 279 batting average, that's pretty sweet in today's day and age. He's got a little bit of pop. We're not going to put him on the field to play any defense or very little, I would hope. Um, and hopefully that bat can, can stay alive. Mitch Hanniger, boy, if we can get what we had three years ago, uh, 39 home runs, uh, solid defense. I don't care what anybody says. Um, strong arm. Now it's been three years or whatever, you know, 32 years old, but I think he can still make this happen for the next two years. Um, some of the injuries he has, obviously, I know his injury history better than I know uh, Garver's, but uh, uh, has has really been of the fluke variety. And, uh, and it's been... You know, you would have to think that streak of flukes would run out at some time for some some people. You know, we all have streaks when you're hot, you're hot, Jerry Reed said. And uh, when you're not, you're not. So um, let's hope he comes back strong. I'm with these guys on MLB. Uh, we're slightly better. Um, so I did get ahead of myself, too. Um, we had a second trade after uh was that before or after garver signed that we trade uh kelnick and marco so marco and kelnick was the first trade we actually broke that live here on the show um then from Thank there you. we signed gardner and free agency and then after the signing of gardner and free agency is where we made the first of the two trades where we traded admiral tight pants robbie ray to the Giants that we acquired, Mitch Hanniger and I, Anthony, and I'm no, I'm gonna butcher his last name. Um, Dave Defascali, if I'm saying that correctly, he's called he Disco. Him. He's uh, oh, his well, nickname's Disco. Disco. That's it. Yeah, then we'll go call ahead, him Boy Disco. But we acquired him, and we we acquired him and Hanniger and traded away Robbie Ray to it, and. I'm on the side of the fence where I'm happy to have Hanager back. Um, I know what he meant to us, but we are a long way from the season that he had in 2021. In 2022, when we finally made the playoffs, he had 224 at bats. Um, in 2023, last year, he had 211 at bats. 44 hits, 28 RBIs, and batted just above the Mendoza line. Baseball comes back to the means. So what is it that we're expecting out of 
Mitch Hanniger again. It seems to me that that move was strictly, let's bring back somebody you guys like to quit your bitching as a fan base. And I almost feel insulted by that because you're not getting us the product, the productivity that we need to be able to compete with the two teams in front of us. But we have to, Robert, as much as we'd like to think we're rich, we're lower middle class here. So we got to get with the program. You know, we, we're not getting that bike with the, the frills and the bells and all that stuff. We're going to deal with whatever mom and dad can find at the goodwill. So I think that's where we're at. I'm not happy about that. I know Tyler's not happy about that. I know you're not happy about that. Um, but that's something we... So like I said in the pre... Like I said in the production meeting, we have two players that we're hoping to combine into one super Mitch. We got rid of the leadership off of our out of our pitching staff because now it's all the young guys who we're going to have to hope can find a pair and come out here and perform. And yes, they had a great year, but you, you took away the voices that they could turn to when times get tough. You took away Marco, you took away Robbie. So now these guys are going to be leaning on themselves. And I, for one, am going to hold Kirby to the comments he made about not wanting to come out in the seventh. That's not the mentality that we need from these guys. And yes, just because you acted that way yesterday doesn't mean that you'll act that way today. But it's what you showed me. It's what you showed me, that you don't really have the heart that's necessary for us to be able to get out here and do this. You took away another clubhouse leader in Gino, and we're expecting JP and Julio to be able to carry this. And in, in my dissertation about this thing, yes, I'm forgetting Kyle Raleigh, but we, we, we need some presence. We, we need some presence. We need some guys who are going to step up and take this by the reins and come into that locker room and get that locker room in order. And now we just have a bunch of kids on the pitching staff who we're going to have, who we're going to, have to expect the world of. We're going to need another miracle 13, 14, 15 game stretch where we just go out and light the world on fire. And to me, that's just unrealist, unrealistically too much to ask for from these guys. If I'm wrong, Tyler, let me know. Well, for starters, let's just look at the totality of the situation. To me, the Robbie Ray trade is almost all about money. Let's start at Mitch Hanniger. He barely played last year. Eric, you're so right. This is one of the most unlucky players ever. I swear he breaks his arm taking a shower. But that besides, okay, so the Mariners right now are 21st in Major League payroll. So we are in the bottom third right now. Our payroll will go up by roughly $15 million or so once all the arbitration-eligible players on the team are settled. But that still, everyone else in the league still has to deal with arb-eligible players. So I don't know how far up we're going to go from the bottom third in payroll right now. So sadly, you guys, you know I've come to the realization we are going to be less in mid-market right now. You very eloquently, Robert, laid out all of the problems with the Root Sports and the Mariners and that whole debacle right now. So we're going to have to win shopping at bargain prices. So Robbie Ray is guaranteed one year, $23 million this year. He has a player opt-out option next season in 2024 where he will be owed $50 million over the next two seasons and 
gauging by his production and mainly the Tommy John surgery, he would probably be a fool not to take the opt-in. So that would be the Mariners or the Giants on the hook for three years, $73 million guaranteed money. And they're just trying to find payroll flexibility at this point because Anthony Disco is going to be a depth starter at best when you look at his career. That's fine with me, but he's a $12 million player, but only one year left. Mitch Hanniger, what is he? Darn near $17.5 million this year. So I just did the math going forward on this trade to see kind of what this opens up for the Mariners. So the San Francisco kicked in $6 million for us, but we also owe the Braves, I believe, $5.5 million of Marco's contract. So we'll just say make it easy math. We're minus $8 million on the trade this year because I kind of consider the Marco money and the Giants money in this recent trade, even at that point. Go forward to 2025, the Mariners will be plus $7.5 million in terms of the contract swaps. And in 2026, we will be plus $25 million on the contract swaps. So once again, we're kind of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, trying to keep keep this ship from sinking. I do think the Mariners are a better team and a better lineup than people give them credit for. A huge reason is how much I believe in pitching. And then after we go over all the trades, guys, we can really dive into... I want to see what is going to be missing because we lost many players and gained many players since the last all-star break. But man, knock on wood that Hanniger stays healthy. And the reacquisition of Mitch reminds me so much of when the Seahawks signed Bobby Wagner this offseason. They saw, knew, and felt there was a giant void in leadership they know the leadership that that player brings to the clubhouse or the locker room. And so going to a known person was critical, but man, we all know that we desperately need Mitch to stay healthy. And there's so many ifs. It feels like we do this every year. If, 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 what are your thoughts on all these ifs right now, Eric? Well, that's baseball, right? No, I mean, that's why we play the game. We get, uh, uh, and they're all men. We get the best men in the world to do this job. And then we kind of split them into 30 different groups and we say, go at it. So they're basically balanced. Uh, and, but they're not really, there's always better teams and there's always poorer teams. Um, and then, you know, baseball takes care of itself from there, whether the team's motivated or whether the team's unlucky that year or whether the team is lucky that year, whether the injuries go the wrong way, whether the injuries go the right way. So much depends on what could happen. But we look at the Dodgers and they've added Otani and Yamamoto. Um, we know that that's going to be a pretty steep hill to climb unless they have some more really bad luck, or I would imagine Dave Roberts loses job or something like that. Like I said, and with that number 18 or 22 or whatever, we are lower middle class, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how to change that. 
We can sit here and all say the same thing, but I don't know how to change that. Um, there's been some talk of perhaps um, doing a boycott or doing a, a sort of a petition of some sort to uh, let folks know that there's a lot of fans who's not happy with us what's happened this this season but then again i think this hanniger trade and the 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 other trade or the other acquisition kind of tamps down some of our um our feelings on this and and we just realize that you know as much as we'd like to be the rich kids we're just lower middle class put it together duct tape it together uh kind of family here and and that's unfortunate that's not what i expected in fact, I wanted to actually take some time and say that I was absolutely wrong and absolutely wrong with ownership's um, agenda. And that's been kept hidden from us for for about two years now. Some folks might have uh, seen last year that uh, they were being cheap. Uh, but when this year came around and Otani was not even an, an attempt, um, we really knew that you know, doggone it, ownership has just misled me. I was completely wrong about that. Um, I, I still support Jerry and I still support Scott, but I feel like they could be telling us more. Um, what are we going to do about ownership? Robert, Tyler? There's nothing you can do about ownership. We don't sign their checks. We don't marinate their chicken. They don't give a damn about what we think. And I get the whole talk of the boycott, but really talk that's just shit talking. Uh, none of us are going to boycott it. People are still going to go out and spend their hard-earned money. And it's just one of those things where it's just really unfortunate that they didn't see it how we see it. But again, they're in it for profit and not in it. Um, if we had an ownership staff like the Phillies and that guy is committed to going out to try to win, this would be a whole completely different conversation. But that's not what Stan's MO is. And he didn't get where he got by listening to the people who come out and buy his product. And it's just unfortunate that the fans don't have enough power to be able to make them change the things that they're trying to do. And again, we don't know what's best for bottom line. We just cheer with our hearts and cheer with our eyes. So that's really the only thing that's left for us to do is see what else we can do here in the six weeks before everybody starts to report down to Arizona, see if there's anything else that we're going to try to do and try to go from there. Um, you were talking about the Dodgers. The Dodgers actually uh, just made another signing tonight, a name that you might recognize, a guy named Teosco Hernandez, just signed to go play with the Dodgers for one year, two, uh, $25 million. And we didn't have that kind of money to spend to bring him back. So good, good for him. He got what he was looking for, and he'll get to be a part of whatever their little fun journey is going to be in this first year um, <laughs> with breaking the bank and just un recklessly spending the way that they are. Um, but then I asked myself too, if we had those types of pockets and we were able to make those moves, would we consider it reckless spending or would we consider it trying to get what's done to bring a world series up to Seattle? What about you T? 
Yeah, that's such a such a great point by you because there is such a fine line. Look at what the New York Mets did this last offseason, just breaking the bank, spend, spend, spend. Then they end up in such a hole, they end up selling at the trade deadline. So even if you are a rich person, so to speak, in the baseball franchise world, you still need to spend carefully. And I'm still... cautiously optimistic about this team and that's because I look at our top seven starters we have Castillo Kirby Gilbert Miller Wu Desclafini and Emerson Hancock that's a formidable top seven pitching staff that can hopefully carry us you know we think about where we were we were one game out of the playoffs last year Our pitching was top two or three in every important category. Our hitting was mid to poor in nearly every category. It's going to be a really interesting season to see if we can lower the strikeouts, put the ball and play a little bit more, not be such an all or nothing team, what that will do for us. But let's look. So at this point, I'm always looking for a solution. There's nothing is solved by bitching and crying in this world. You always got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and think about what you can do to make your life better. And in this case, we're just talking baseball. But we made another great trade, in my opinion. Jose Caballero for Luke Rayleigh. Eric, do you have any thoughts on that trade right there to Tampa Bay? I just said I wasn't a Cabernero supporter. Pardon me. I, you know, I just, he, he made a lot of knucklehead mistakes. Um, uh, And I'm happy to, my understandings we're coming out ahead now. Um, But this is the situation they're down in down there in Tampa. They think he can play shortstop and uh, they're without wander. And their second guy that they, they want to uh, play shortstop, have hip surgery this year, and probably won't be ready for opening day. So that's kind of where the the Rays are on on that position. And my understanding is the Rays were were top heavy in in folks that they wanted to play outfield. So I'm looking forward to this guy. I was just checking it out tonight, and and trying to learn more about him. You know, sometimes during the season, I spend so much time thinking about the M's and watching the M's that I don't always know all the other players uh, in the league. And I always look forward to, uh, to hearing what you guys got to say. Cause you, you know, we, we've got Robert over here and he's broke two trades right on the air for us during our, our podcast uh, with the Dodgers and T Oscar going. So, um, and I don't know where the hell I'm going with this. <laughs> But anyhow, cut that out, Indy. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. It, does it add a little more thump, please? Um, what do you say? Again, he, the sample size isn't large enough for me. Um, he had a great year with Tampa. And, and, you know, we'll give the boy a chance to see what he can do. He hasn't earned any ire from me yet where I'm just willing to tip the desk and just go on a rant about how I think he sucks. Um, 
we're going to get that on on podcast too folks we sure will. <laughs> go ahead i'm um, sorry it's okay you know we'll we we have time to see what it is that he could develop into it's a it's a friendly deal that we got for him and it got rid of cabbie so that alone is just a win there because that's like having a professional little leaguer on a professional major league team um, <laughs> but yeah we'll you know the, we, we have time to see what he can come into i do like that it's a left-handed bat um, is it the left-handed bat that I per se wanted? No, it's not. But again, we're, we know there are limitations on what we can and cannot do with the financial troubles that the team is having. And I just don't want to find myself making excuses for a millionaire messing up his re-up. Um, but again, we'll, we, we can share with our hearts and that's really all we can do. Um, it's a little bit better than where we sat a couple of weeks ago because that lineup would have guaranteed us falling below the angels. But we'll 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 give it a we'll give we'll give it the old college try, and there's still some time out to see what other pieces can be added to it. But we are better than where we sat the last time that we had this conversation. I just still can't believe that a TV deal is really what's holding us back from being able to go out and spin like it was promised that they would spin. And and may I raise one good point is Otani is in the NL now. So um when we see him in the playoffs, it'll be in the World Series. Tyler. <laughs> I like your thinking there. And I am pretty bullish on Luke Rayleigh. I know that we always need to be cautious when trading with Tampa Bay, it seems like they fleece almost every trade partner in baseball, but sometimes you got to take some chances there and there might be a couple of good cars on a crappy lot, but 19 home runs and 14 stolen bases. I really like that speed power combo only caught stealing three times. So it leads me to believe he's got the speed, but is also pretty judicious about when to go. We have a couple Mariners, including our superstar that, might be a little bit too aggressive for my liking, but he had a 2.5 war and a 126 OPS plus. This guy was doing work this year. The only thing I really hate is he's got a 4.57 strikeout to walk ratio, which is kind of disgusting, but he isn't arbitration eligible till 2026. So this is exactly the kind of guys we need to try to find right now. Mariners ownership is not going to go and get the premier proven guy. We need to dig around the dirt, hopefully find a gem or two. And hopefully he is that kind of guy with cabby. You know, you guys are right with a 90 OPS plus and 17 times he was hit by pitch. So to me, he, he might have a little bit of Ty France in him where he is boosting his on-base percentage vastly getting hit by pitch. I do love that he's a menace, but you're right. There's a difference between being a menace and being reckless. And I'll never forget, was it the ninth or 10th inning this summer, critical ball game, and he's picked off. That cannot happen in the late innings, especially when you get the free runner on second base. And so just my overall thoughts, I'm extremely happy 
with both trades, more so acquiring Luke Rayleigh. And for me, it's just the understanding on the Robbie Ray trade. We need leadership and we need financial flexibility. As much bullcrap as it is or not, that's what we're dealing with right now with Mariners ownership. And so hopefully, hopefully this will be good enough. Maybe there's another move or two. I kind of doubt it, you guys, but man, we are looking right now at $102 million, projected at about $117 million. To me, Eric, I'm with you. That just seems pretty unfair and low, especially for the economic climate across the Pacific Northwest. Those who don't know, the suburban cities around the Seattle area, there's a few that are very affluent, including Bellevue, Washington, if you didn't know, is the home of people like Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer. So yes, Eric, there is money in the area. Any other thoughts for you on that? You know, just that it'd be nice. Oh, Stanton can't do this and Stanton can't do that. Well, the guy down in San Francisco or the guy down in uh, in San Diego could. And the guy, you know, uh, we just don't have the right guy. OK, we need to get past that. We're the Milwaukee Brewers. Seattle is not Milwaukee, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I And I God bless you, Milwaukee. I know a lot of great people from Wisconsin, but, uh, you know, it's just a different deal. They don't have a harbor that is open to all of Asia. Um, so, you know, it's not a poor city. Let's get a real owner in there, but we don't control it. So we're going to live with what we got. My understanding then from you guys is mom and dad went and got us all used bikes down at the Goodwill. And and Tyler's pretty happy with his and I'm, I'm okay with it. I've come to, and Robert's not too happy with his bike, but uh, that's where we're at. We all had high hopes. I wanted a mountain bike, 24 speed and uh, you know, all this fancy stuff. That's just an analogy to say that uh, we're not getting what we want, but we are getting something. I'm not getting on my bike. Uh, I'm not getting yeah. on my bike. I know a janky ass <laughs> bike when I see it. You at least got tires on your bike. My bike only has tires for 84 games. So that's where we're at on that. So you're telling and, me, um, so you're telling me that we become that we become the Cleveland Indians from Major League Two, where we're trying to win despite the owner and despite his uh shedding numbers for his bottom line that's that, that's what we're doing is we 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 become the cleveland indians for major league two that's that's just ridiculous a world series window that analysts and other teams recognize that we were in and we're we're trying to compete to win the nl central like what are we doing it's just dumb. It's just dumb, but uh, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Not a doggone thing I can do about it um, unless a campaign was started to try to influence that. Um, Robert says it can't be done. Others said it might be possible, but, you know, I'm probably with Robert that it might be a tough deal to do unless we really got folks motivated to do it. Uh, Tyler, I mean, did you have a topic? Just... Mm, go ahead. 
just look at Robert, it. Just look at it. In order for something like that to happen, we would all need to be on the same page. And we're not. Because you can go to the message board and see that some people think that we're we're in a position that we're actually going to compete with now. And as much as I hope that they're right, because at the end of the day, I am a Seattle Mariner fan, and I do want to see us succeed. And I'm going to cheer for the guys that are out there being true to the blue. But again, I just don't see the way that we're built being able to compete with the people who are ahead of us. Are we trying to wait out Houston to see what happens when they have the day where they no longer have Altuve and they no longer have Bregman and they no longer have Jordan and they no longer have Kyle Tucker? Are we trying to wait to see what happens when uh, Texas has their regress after winning a championship and just hoping that the stars align with, you know, it's what's that Disney song? When you wish upon a star, it feels like that's what we're doing. And and I, I love Hanniger. I, I was a fan of Hanniger. But he he's not productive enough with the injuries that, and I know it's bad luck, but he he's not that guy that we had in 2001 when he's playing out of his mind, but he's also playing out of his mind because it's his contract year. And that's just how it goes in your contract year. You do astronomical things actually to make yourself. Actually, his contract year, he was injured most of that with a broken ankle. Oh, well, if again, I'm, if I'm, I'm correct, I'm, sorry. I'm okay sorry. with being proven wrong. I'm okay with being proven I, told, told, on, told that I'm wrong in my analysis. But I just, uh, again, we got two people. Well, that I just want to straighten out that one thing. Here's the thing. None of us were. We're, here's the thing, though. None of us were advocating to trade Ray for for Hanniger. That's why it's it's you know you go through all this trade analysis and you look at San Diego and you look at St. Louis and then it ends up the Rays and and the Giants that you trade with. Um, but here's the thing, Robert. We don't have a choice on Hanniger. That's who we got. What do you say? That's who we got, bud. We don't. We don't. You know. We don't. And we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we do. It. I'll ride with him. I'll ride with him. It. I don't. I don't want to run him out of town. I just, I, I just don't like going back to the well when the well is showing us that it's dry. You yep. got water out I of understand. it. Father got water out of it, and now here I am with my bucket, and I'm hoping that there's one more <laughs> bucket of water to be able to be pulled yeah. out of that thing. And one more when, yeah, one more drink now. One more we'll hot shower. The, yeah, uh, we'll see where we're at the all-star break. We'll see if we're in buy or sell mode once we get to the all-star break. And maybe that's what we're waiting for to um, to try to see what position that we're in. But to me, it's just going to take a, a, a monumental effort from this team to go out and keep us in the race. And those young kids, you know, baseball comes back to the means. Those young kids are bound to have down nights and a down season where we're not lighting the world on fire. We take a step back, and I just hope that 2024 is not that season. Yeah, well, it might be. It might just be. Uh, so if anybody's picking the uh, the Mariners to uh, to be in the World Series next year, I think that the three of us would say that's a very risky bet. Um when it seems so possible not that long ago, Tyler. So uh, that is disappointing. The hey, one thing uh, I'd mentioned. Tyler, did, 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to circle back because you guys asked a really good question, and then it kind of dawned on me. You know, sometimes you ask a question and then you get a light bulb moment in your head and you were saying, well, what if we are a richer team and I still would want to spend a lot and increase the payroll a lot. But I do think it's really important to be cautious about your spending. And it's obvious the Mariners have buyer's remorse over Robbie Ray already. Otherwise, they wouldn't have moved him. But I'm looking here at his career. He has 10 years of big league service. And I would say he's had two great seasons and four good seasons in his 10 years as a big leaguer. And so it's really easy to be caught up in the moment as a franchise and as a fan on such recent success. Robbie Ray, Cy Young winner. I was so pumped as a fan. Yeah, darn right I want the Cy Young winner on my team. But then you really dig a little deeper and you kind of realize, well, this might have been more of an anomaly. In 10 seasons, he's only had two where he was at that level. And so even if you have all the money in the world, you still need to be cautious. I wish Robbie Ray the best. I think he gets a bad rap in Seattle because everyone just remembers the Homer to Jordan in the playoffs, but the guy's a bulldog and he'll give you everything he has. I just don't know if he is really a $25 million pitcher and we're all lamenting about payroll and we got to make tough choices because we can't have our most expensive player being our fourth or fifth best pitcher. It's really that simple. Yeah. We needed a bat and we don't have no money. So you trade Ray. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't get caught up in trading players that much, you know, folks. I mean, they're here to serve the team. They get, they're paid really well to do that. I was sad to see JK go. I really wanted to see him come through. Um, but, you know, Ray, thank you, uh, Mr. Ray. You're right, Tyler. He was a good uh, clubhouse presence uh, for the pitching staff. But we did get another clubhouse presence back on the offensive side. Um, and we, you know, um, I think our pitching staff is a year more mature this year. We've grown. I mean, you're exactly right, Tyler. We bring up these prospects and they do good for 60 games. The league figures them out. And, and then we get right back to, uh, what Robert's telling us that, uh, they may regress and they may not be the hot shot that we'd hope they would be, um, so none of this, this is all plan B stuff, guys. Um, none of us are happy about it. I hope that you guys are realistic about it because just like uh, Robert said, there are people over there just rosing up this turd like it is just the most delecta- delectable or derve there ever was. And it, it, it's not what we expected and it doesn't smell like what you expected. It doesn't look like we expected. And, uh, but there's, and I've seen these guys do it last year too. Oh, we're better. We're better. We're better. We're better. I I'm like, bullshit. We're not better. We just swapped T.O. for a different 
you know, for Hanniger, what's the difference? Um, so we not not a one of us are happy. Uh, Tyler, were you doing any sort of Tyler's topic this week or? Yeah, and it's actually in a way different direction just because there were so many moves made since we last talked. We took a little bit of a break, folks, because we all believe it's important to spend time with your loved ones during the holiday season. But instead of going into the past, I'm going into the now, you guys. And basically, it's looking at our additions and subtractions since the trading deadline, because I feel like that's when the team changed a ton was the last trade deadline to early January as we speak. So since that time, we lost Teo, Gino, Mike Ford, Kellenick, Pollock, Wong, Cabby and Murphy, and those guys provided the team that needed some help at the plate already. They gave us 94 bombs, 349 RBI. They scored 306 runs between them with 236 walks, but the caveat is 824 strikeouts from that group which puts it at a 3.49 K to walk ratio. And then on the flip side, we added Canzone, Rojas, the two Mitches, Rayleigh, Urias, and Zavala. And boy, eh, I, I've tried to be so optimistic at times, especially just because I believe you can will yourself to good things, but you are only as good as your talent is. And with those additions, that's, 35 less home runs. That's 125 less RBI. That's 73 less runs scored. That's 81 fewer walks, but also 325 less times struck out. And that would be a 0.27 difference in strikeout to walk ratio. The Bulk numbers might be a little bit skewed because basically all of those players except for Rayleigh did not have a very large sample size at all. Rayleigh, I believe, only played 115, 120 games himself. So you could hope that all of those numbers will go up, including the Ks. But Robert, you give us a little bit of truth serum sometimes about this off season. And when I lay it out like that was so much missing production. What do you think, man? 73 and 89. Everything that you just said, 73 and 89. That's what I heard out of everything you just said. That ain't 54%. That ain't us competing for the AL West crown. That's not us competing to try to win a championship. That's the guy who controls our money done absolutely fucked up his re-up and now he ain't got no work so we're all aligned at the dispensary trying to get overpriced product from them he he'd a mess he'd a mess it all up that's what i heard out of everything you just said is 73 and 89 <laughs> and i that's hope a, that's i'm the, wrong yeah it could be 63 no 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 well um 85 to 92 wins would be where I'm at right now. I couldn't be any more specific than that. Tyler? I'll say we have get to 90 wins again, but that's just because of how much I love the pitching. 
and I feel there's a lot of guys with upside. But once again, we're going into the season with so many ifs. We need to get so many, you know, two aces, king ace. We need so many good hands to come for us to fulfill what we hope is a World Series contender. But man, I hate it when I do the math and I'm just and it just kind of punched me in the gut, fellas. You know, and I I really wanted Robert to answer when I just did the math on the production loss versus the production gained because even the most bullish Mariners fan right now, that those are startling numbers to look at what we are missing in terms of peer production. Again, those on math, on math and on paper, that does not sound like competing to win the AL West. I don't have a cute way to say it. I ain't got no funny joke to add to it. That just sounds like a step back. Take it or leave it, and we're hoping for a miracle this year. We're hoping for a miracle, ladies and gentlemen. Give me a second, Robert. I'll hand you a tissue here to wipe those tears. I agree, buddy. It's, <laughs> it's not a good deal. Um, I'm, uh, I've got my own tissue here. I don't want to kind of dwell on this, this negative stuff a whole lot. Um, let's dwell on some other negative stuff. Um, as you know, folks, during during the regular season of football season, there's or the off season uh, for baseball, the uh, football's the the deal, particularly in the Northwest. And we want to talk about the the couple of football teams that are important, at least to me and Tyler. And and uh, Robert's kind enough to uh, to stick us in the ribs with a stick all the time because he has other football teams. But uh, we're going to talk about the Seahawks, and I'm going to take those tissues from you there, Robert, because I've got a tear in my beer. Uh, no playoffs this year? Uh, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, you should be used to this. We got to you. You got to you got to the last day of the, of the regular season, and uh, you needed to win and a miracle to happen in front of you, and you got your win. But the Bears didn't help you get that miracle, so I hope you enjoy beating us on that Monday night and enjoy your regular season Super Bowl. <laughs> and uh, once everybody kicks off on the uh, next Saturday, I know a team in Seattle ain't gonna be there. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, but, folks, uh, it, uh, was, it uh, was great. It was a it was a great year. You guys did what you you guys did what you could, and it just uh, it was just unfortunate that you you're in one of those scenarios where you need two teams to fall in front of you. And I've, I'm a Philly fan. I've been there before. And the year that we got in to uh, actually face the bears in the opening round of the playoffs that happened to us is that we needed to win and we needed two teams in front of us to lose. And by God, the two teams in front of us lost. And it's, that's, that's the ultimate pain when you're sitting there watching football on that Sunday, rooting for something like that to go down and, you just you just didn't get enough of a fight out of the Bears to make it interesting enough for you. But hey, man, you you got the Huskies playing on tomorrow night, so not all is bad up there in the Pacific Northwest. Not all is bad. I want to get to that. Um, and Tyler, I'm sure Tyler is probably Tyler and Indy are our biggest Seahawk fans at this point. Uh, Tyler has energy for all the teams, and uh, Tyler uh, or Indy's a 
big football guy. I'm a big baseball guy. Um, and, and Robert's a, a Mariner fan. Tyler, I'm reading that people are tired of Pete Carroll. Or he's been around well, too long. Maybe are- not tired, not disrespectfully, but. I mean, fans have been tired of him for a while now. And I think part of it is fans can be really finicky. And when it comes to football, a lot of people think the game is as easy as playing Madden, which it obviously isn't. It's a very difficult, it's tough. It can be a grind. But Pete Carroll has hung his hat on being a defensive coach, and the defense has been bad to terrible for many years now. The Cardinals, if their kicker came through for them, would have won this game. The Seahawks gave up 466 total yards today, including 206 on the ground. We rushed well ourselves, Gino is who he is. He was pretty good. And I, you know, good today. I think that's kind of like I always talk about you got to think about within realistic expectations in life. And Gino is not going to come out here and be Joe Montana, but he is solid and serviceable. So it just always bugs me when people always say he's the worst quarterback in the league because that's not true at all. But Man, well, here's the thing, Eric. The elephant in the room is Pete Carroll has one guaranteed year left and I believe one option year on his side of the table. So I think his plan is to probably try to ride off into the sunset here. I don't know if the Seahawks will have the patience. We really don't know anything about Jody Allen as an owner and where she'll put her foot down because she's obviously doing the wishes of her deceased brother, Paul, who figuratively and literally saved the Seahawks. So it'll be a really interesting off season. And just from a really far view to any NFL team, it is so hard to win on the road. The Seahawks had two games where they kind of just kicked it away on the road at Cincy and at LA, and that would have been the difference. If you have a chance to win on the road, you absolutely have to get it done. Do you have any thoughts here, Robert? DJ Metcalf supposed to be your monster, right? DK Metcalf supposed to yep, be the big that's dog. Right. That's right. On that receiving and sometimes court. he is. All right. It's a damn Six good targets. receiving core. Six targets, one catch, ten yards. Yeah. Six targets. Yeah, uh, you know. One catch, ten yards. You feed him. I mean, you guys won the game, so I guess those those stats happen are, are a moot point after this. But feed your boy. I mean that dude's that dude's a monster. Where where's where's finding him in your offense at? Ning Jigba is a great rookie uh, wide receiver, and you've got Lockett too. I mean, I would have to think that the receiving corps are some of the best in football. Am I wrong there, Robert or Tyler? I think you guys got some talent there. I'm not gonna say that you're the best. Um just one because of I, I believe I believe that my guys win our offensive coordinator can pull his head out of his ass. That's a, that's a formidable duo to mess with. 
every week and just I mean, even even C D Lamb with those evil cowboys, just that dude just seems to have 120 yards when he gets up and wakes out of bed every day. Um but I'm telling but you, as you a core, Patrick as Holmes, a group, those are some, as a core, they're good. Those are some and, as a core, and they're good. I, I guess I don't mean to say the best, but above average. Oh yeah, they should definitely be a top two. They should definitely be a top ten core in the league. With with the things that they're able to do, and Locke has been making big catches for you. It Jigba beat Bradbury to cost us the game that we played in Gary Gishy Monday night. DK is, you know, Thanos cut out in, in football player form sometimes, it looks like. Um, your football's just a weird football just a weird sport like that, where your best player doesn't get the bulk of the touches and the looks that he should. You guys still found a way to beat Arizona, which the Eagles couldn't do. It was just unfortunate that that game against Pittsburgh went the way that it did, or you guys be in the playoffs right now. Yeah. And I want to give a Tell shout more, out to Tyler. Indy. No, go ahead, Robert. I want to give a shout out to Indy. Uh, I just got one thing to say to you, player. How you going to hate from outside the playoffs and you couldn't even get in? <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's how we treat each other around here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, and we are I, hating from outside the dance, man. Yeah, I, right. I know it's I'm a better a fit for that lady. She's making a mistake with that dude. She's making a mistake <laughs> with that dude. I am going to be player hating from the outside. That's how it is, bro. <laughs> Just don't pop the tires on my car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I just feel like the the Seahawks are kind of like the Mariners are a chance of being, and and that's being like the M- Milwaukee Brewers. You know, they'll they'll spend four years barely sneaking in the playoffs, getting wiped out of the first series every time, or three out of four times, and just peter out. And that's what we've had from the Seahawks for at least ten years. Am I? And I'm sure I'm wrong there, but. It's been pretty mediocre. It's not necessarily hard to get into the playoffs in football. It's not easy, but it's not the hardest thing in the world either. Um, Pete Carroll is, what, 70 years old now, 71, two. Um, So I hope he has another good season in him, but the the trail's got to be getting short for him. Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, Tyler, anything to add about this season? Feels pretty mediocre. And as much as the NFL and football in general has leaned so much into the passing game on both sides of the ball, until they truly make it two-hand touch or seven-on-seven, the line of scrimmage matters, and you bring it up all the time, Eric, but... When you can't stop the run, it's a really hard existence. You know, the easiest way to move the ball, the way to move the ball with the least amount of risk is if you can run the ball effectively. And teams have done that on the Seahawks over and over and over again. It's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to even have a winning record like the Seahawks do when they've been gassed on the ground by almost everybody all year. So it's hard for me to say if it's scheme because the tackling has been so poor, but there's got to be a lot of changes and a lot of soul searching because it's, it's just really hard to win at any level of ball if you can't stop the run. 
Yeah, and I want to apologize to you. I mean, uh, last week I was watching the game, folks, and uh, I didn't really catch much of the game at all. You know, it's one of those days where I had to work and I had to rush off, and you watch 30 minutes on on TV and you listen to 12 minutes on the radio before the radio buzzes out on you. And uh, that must have been a time where Gina was really having some problems because um, I somebody texted that it was the defense. And I said, ah, I think it's Gino because he really played poor in those selected areas. But I got a chance to see that defense today, folks. And that was garbage. And I don't know. There's got to be a change there somewhere. I mean, when we first got started talking to Seahawks, that was about week four. And uh, we were all pretty high on the defense at that point, weren't we, Tyler? What happened? Well, that's the fun part about an NFL season, and I'm sure Robert could chime in, you know. It's always evolving. Teams are always scouting. And if they find a weakness, they're going to darn well go after it. And I think one thing is, is the Seahawks, just their tackling in general from almost everybody has been pretty terrible. So John Connor today rushed for 150 yards. He embarrassed countless Seahawks when it came to one-on-one tackles. And then my huge problem is huge props to Witherspoon because he made the best tackle of the game for any guy one-on-one on Connor. But if your cornerback is your best tackler in the run game, that's a serious problem overall. And we'll find out what happens. He's a beast. The fundamentals for a player and also the scheme, both have been terrible, and that's how you end up getting gashed by everybody in the run game. Robert, how'd the Eagles do today, buddy? I can tell you something about bad and bad defense and bad overall schemes. When we started talking football, the Eagles were 10 and one since we've been talking football. We are one and five. That locker room is just in complete disarray. That's failure to execute on the players. That's failure to have a better game plan on the coaches. That's not adapting to what you're seeing. And you're coming out and running the same five plays constantly. And you're wondering why everybody has a beat on it. We have some terrible issues in in Philly. The only reason we're in the playoffs is because we started off 10. That's a lot. Had we not had had, had we not had such a great start, we'd be on the outside looking in right now. And I love Philly with all my heart. I love Philly to death with all everything I got. It's going to be a short trip for us to Tampa if we don't do some soul searching and come out and act like a professional damn football team. Bad tackling, bad schematics. Players don't want to be there. To me, Sirianni has lost the locker room. And how do you go from a play away from winning the Super Bowl to fighting for your life just to hold on to the fifth seed? Just a leak in the bridge somewhere and we can't do anything to stop that hemorrhaging right now. Thank God for that 10 and one start, but man, just defense is old. No athleticism on there. We didn't go after any linebackers. Maybe we spent too much time over glorifying all the players we got from Georgia. 
<laughs> and, and thinking that they were just going to bring that culture into the locker room. Jalen Hurts looks like we gave him money way too soon. A.J. Brown doesn't want to be there. The toughest guy on our team is 130 pounds, and because he's blocking on screens, he's hurt. We don't know when he's getting back. Had two other injuries today in a game that didn't mean anything. Just the devil came back for our trip to the Super Bowl appearance, and we didn't even win the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> so it's just it's football is very tough. Um, yes, there's a chance. There's a chance that I could be sitting here over the next three weeks and something just instantly snap and turn around. But it's going to take <laughs> a hell of an effort to get us out from where we've been recently. Yeah, I mean, every, we see it every year, folks. Um, and we see it in baseball. I'm sure we see it in all sports where these teams will just and frankly, the Seahawks, not 10 and one. But we were pretty feeling pretty good about ourselves around week six. Uh, um, so. And then they start off really well. And I thought this was going to happen with the Rangers last year. And then they just peter out. And I mean, it's just sometimes it's almost a collapse. And it sounds like that's what's going on uh, in Philly. Um, from what your expectations were at week 10, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, Tyler, I don't know if you have anything else to add uh, on the NFL or Robert, maybe you had something else you wanted to add on. Uh, on Philly there. No, I'm just looking forward to let's get to next Monday. Let's get on the field. And maybe we have one of those turnarounds that the Rangers did. The Rangers can win a game all September and won the damn world series. So maybe that's in Philly's cards as we move toward the uh, football playoffs that are about to begin. But I, I will say this, that we're talking football in the Northwest. Um, after watching the sugar bowl, I'm convinced that the wrong player won the Heisman Trophy. Michael Penix is a beast. That dude was out there dropping dimes like he was magic in the 80s. That dude is the man. And if you guys can control Michigan's defensive line, I think that title has a good chance of coming up to Seattle. We are talking Washington Huskies, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know. Um, there's three rules in sports for me. That's uh, uh, it used to be Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Mariners, but now it's Seattle Mariners, Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Huskies. These are all sacred things to me. I know they're sacred to you, too, Tyler. Tell me about it. What's going on? Penix is exactly what Robert said. He is a beast. And if if you give me just a second. There was no delay in his thinking. There, was, I mean, he's an on-field general that was just moving down the field. It was, well, for starters, it was just an awesome, awesome college football game. Fans across the country, if they didn't have any dog in the fight, must have been thoroughly entertained. Both offenses were pretty spectacular. There was fluke plays, random injuries, everyone's fingernails are bitten all the way down to the very end. But you guys are so right. And what impressed me too is if you've watched the Huskies all year, you know that there isn't a throw that Michael Penix Jr. cannot make, whether it's deep, whether it's short, whether it's a laser, whether it's a lobber. He has every throw you can imagine with absolute precision. He showed off some, quote, wheels, in that game, which was crucial because the running game 
struggled as we thought that they might. Texas has a fantastic run-stuffing defensive line. And you just can't say enough about what Penix has meant to this team. It really is a cool, fun story, bouncing back from two ACLs. This guy is a Florida kid, so you know he has a massive chip on his shoulder that no Southeast powerhouse wanted him. He had to go to a college basketball school to get his college football start. He is now as far away as he could possibly be in this country from where he grew up, bowing out of control. I know it's such a homer thing to say, but I wouldn't mind seeing Penix in the Seahawks blue next year. But man, Eric, just a fantastic game. I went to my brother's house and he had a bunch of friends over and there was a ton of yelling hugging and high-fiving what a fantastic football game yeah it was really good robert well, monday night's gonna be fun Monday tomorrow night's gonna be real fun from the day that we're recording this podcast um if you can control michigan's line i don't think that <clears throat> if it turns into a if it turns into a shootout i don't think that mccarthy can hang with Penix. um if we get to playing smash mouse football, it, it'll be a different story. Uh, I think Michigan might have the edge there, but if Michigan is playing from behind, I definitely think that you guys have the offense to keep them at bay and it's going to be a great game on Monday. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, Robert, and maybe Tyler can uh, uh, expand on this too, if he gets the opportunity, but tell me about Michigan. Is it the typical uh, big 10 smash mouth football? It's always been, and uh, I, I think you're going to say yes, but go ahead and tell me what you know about Michigan. <clears throat> yeah, well, they're definitely built to run the ball. They're definitely built to run the ball. Uh, Blake Corum is one of the best running backs in the country. Um, fifth year senior. He's going to get some looks when he gets ready to go to the league. Um, big boys on their offensive line, uh, big boys on their defensive line. So, yeah, they're definitely a traditional power Big Ten team. Um, I just think it's ironic that no matter who wins, the championship is a Big Ten championship because the Pac-12 is no more once the once the game ends on uh, Monday night. But yeah, man, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a very good game. Uh, Michigan might have some problems in the secondary <clears throat> keeping up with your group of talented receivers. Um, but again, if they can get Penix time, it's going to be a good game. If uh, they can't get Penix the protection he needs, Michigan may. Michigan may steamroll them. So it, it's, it's, hey. it's just really going to be one in the trenches. Hey, uh, Tyler, didn't um, didn't Husky Finesse uh, uh, beat uh, Michigan Smash Mouth uh, in the early 90s at the Rose Bowl? Well, it's funny you mentioned that, and this is where this matchup gets even more fun, because in the early 90s, the Huskies went to three straight Rose Bowls. They beat Iowa, they beat Michigan, and then they lost to Michigan. So I feel even though it's, what, 30-plus years later that we kind of have the rubber match here, and I couldn't agree with Robert Moore, it might be... A crucial, crucial element of the game if the Huskies can try to get off to a quick lead because Michigan will take it to you. Their offensive line, their tight ends, their running backs, it 
if you like power football, they're a fun team to watch. And I know most Northwesterners are not big fans of Jim Harbaugh, but you know, that guy knows how to get his teams ready to play. It should be a really, really fun matchup. And I'm not a big believer in things like this, but it feels that about every 30 years, the Huskies get a share of the national title. They are co-champions in 1960, co-champions in 1991. Let's see what happens in 2024. But man, exciting, exciting, exciting. I believe one of the local movie theaters is not playing a movie but playing the Huskies game for free so that kind of lets you know how big of a deal it is up here yeah I mean Husky football is one of the three rails of uh um of sports as far as I'm considered uh I'm concerned go Huskies we hope you win and every time they've but been put to this test every time they've been just barely ahead every test they've had to pass they have passed this year folks there has been no late season loss there has been no even thinking that you would lose i mean the last game was pretty tricky because it it got really close at the end but uh hey they have overcome all of it uh good luck huskies tomorrow night uh we're rooting for you there you are, folks. Was there anything else you two, either of you two, wanted to add uh, that we may have missed tonight? Go Mariners. Go Huskies. It's all. It's always a fun time of the year. Even if the Seahawks didn't make it, I love playoff football for both sports. And hopefully the Mariners have done enough. Well, I mean, time will tell. It's that simple. Yeah. Um Happy New Year to all the loyal listeners to Casuals Corner, and we're going to make 2024 a fun year from the broadcast perspective and from the fan perspective. Let's uh, get out and do what we have to do to support this team. Um, Let's have some fun watching some good football over the next few weeks and just get ready to counting down the days until pitchers and catchers report down in Arizona. Well, there you have it, folks. So uh, the season's not over. It's not fair to judge the Mariners yet, but at least we've got a, a once we realize where we're at on the pecking order, at least we've got a little skip in our step knowing that we don't have five holes to fill. We only have three or or one or two to fill. It's not over yet. Let's hope that it's not over yet. Let's hope there's some money for a big bat there. Um and uh, we just got our fingers crossed. We're going to go for it. And, uh, folks, we're happy to have you listening to our show. We're happy to be back at it. Uh, we record on Sunday evenings. We hope to have that out there around 6 o'clock for you on Mondays. Uh, check us out. We're going to be working forward uh, with some socials and stuff. And uh, hope to get some folks asking some questions like you might see in some of the forums that I know we all enjoy. We wish you had a happy new year and a Merry Christmas and whatever holiday you might celebrate and uh, look for us here on, on all your favorite podcast stations. Good night, everybody. Robert, good luck to you with your new job, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.